Real quick, if you don't know who I am, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm typically in the back where we run an online campus with my amazing team back there. And uh, then my wife and my kids sit in the front row. I got two little girls in the front row, and, and they're there. I think both of them are sleeping. Which is, I, I just pretend like the Holy Spirit hit them, you know, but really I know they just are bored, so they're sleeping in the front row. But um, I wanted to, I was thinking about this the other day. So I... I'm obviously a newer dad, a dad of two girls, right? Hashtag girl dad, right? And I, uh, I, this summer, I'm getting pretty excited because my oldest, Ami, is like two and a half, right? So now I can start like actually doing things with her, right? Like playing rough with her, right? We fight every night. Um, we rest. So I got her, I got her this lightsaber in Disney World and she hits me with it and stuff. And so, you know, mom makes sure she's got all the girl stuff taken care of, but I take care of all the fun stuff, right? So we were outside playing the other day, and we were playing with this, this toy, okay? And it's, 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 a, it's the thing that you hold. It's got, a, it's got like a, a hook, okay, on it. You put a ball in it, right, and you toss it, and somebody catches it, right, okay? I just, I don't know what it's called, but we're going to call it hook ball. So we were playing the famous hook ball, and I, I, I went to throw it to her, okay? Now, sometimes I forget that she's a two-year-old girl, right? And so I went to throw it to her, and I was a little too close. And as I was, as I was throwing it to her, she was also lunging forward because I teach her, don't be afraid, go for it, go out. So she, and, and at the same exact moment, I took the hook ball stick and I then I, I, I hit her in the face with it on accident. And she did the thing that kids do, which is they freeze and they got, they got two decisions to make. They got one decision, they got two options. One, they can scream and cry. Or two, they're going to pretend like it, it didn't even happen, right? So I was waiting for it, okay, because you got to give it like, a half second. I gave it a half second, and she, she, she could tell she was thinking about it, and the, the pain was setting in, and she decided, I'm gonna pretend like nothing even happened, right? So I said, okay, cool. And then I looked, and I realized that I had like sl- sliced her cheek. First dad mistake, I sl- it's just blood coming, it's so bad. You can see her afterwards. Uh, uh, don't cancel me. But, but I, I sliced my daughter on accident, and she still was like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then for a week, I felt terrible, okay? Anything she wanted, she got, okay? And I knew because I caused her th- this pain. It was, it, was, it was an accident, but it'd be like, uh, Mom, I want ice cream. No, Dad, I want ice cream. Yes, right? And now it's like barely visible, so I'm back to being the no guy. But, but for like a week, she had me wrapped around her finger because of this little bit of pain that I had caused her. It was, it was a total accident. And it's funny how uh, no matter how old you get, you have two responses that you can have to pain, right? And that is either I'm going to let it all just hit me, okay, and I'm going to get emotional, I'm going to react, I'm going to get depressed, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, uh, react in a way I shouldn't, or I'm just going to stand up straight, take a second, take a deep breath, and keep moving on, right? And then it also reminded me of something that Anna and I had went through. Now, we got married in 2014, okay, and we were living our best life, no kids, having fun, right? And then after a while, we wanted to start, let's just try to have kids, okay? So uh, we were trying, we, we were trying a lot, you know what I'm saying? But, 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 but we were trying, and, um, and after about two years of trying, nothing happened, right? And so we're, you know, you just, you walk through it. This is, this is normal. This happens to people all the time. So then, you know, whatever, we're, we're just dealing with it as we go. So then 
<clears throat> we ended up <clears throat> getting pregnant. And uh, at about six weeks, um, we had a miscarriage. So now, you know, it's like, okay, finally two years build up. Here it is. And then nothing, right? And so that's the first time ever where it was like, oh, okay, this is what, like, pain is like. Now, you got to remember, okay, I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. Growing up in church my whole life. And for lack of a better term, because there's no better term, is that I had become kind of jaded to people's problems. And I mean that in the best way. I could empathize with people and I could feel bad for somebody. But the actual situation they were going through, through um, I heard, had heard everything. If you grew up in church, let alone at like very young age, you know, tiptoeing around during meetings and things like that, right? Sneaking around. You hear stuff that and nothing surprises you anymore, right? Even down to, I've heard of many people throughout the years who have miscarriage. And again, you, could, you feel so bad for the person, but the situation, you kind of just, you just get used to it until it happens, right? Now, here's the thing is that pain is a sliding scale, right? It's relative to the person that's uh, in pain, right? So what you're going through might be to other people seem small, but for you, it's the biggest thing you've gone through. For us, that was the biggest thing that we had gone through. And again, we had two decisions to make there, right? We had to figure out, okay, what do we do next? How do we talk? What are we talking to God about? What is our next stage of our life? What, what are we going to do here? And separately, we began to speak with God, and Anna's version of it, it's, it's amazing, and you, you can actually go on her Instagram. She's done a couple posts about it. It's incredible what God did there. But for me, all I knew how to do was I just need to tell God what happens next. Because he's already promised me everything. He's promised you all these things. But the thing is, it doesn't activate until we say it needs to be activated, until we tell God. The title of my message today is Prophesy Through the Pain. Father God, I pray for today's service, God. God, I pray that lives are touched by you today, God. God, I pray that you use me, but really use all of us throughout this week. God, that we can change somebody, that we can inspire somebody, that no matter how much pain we're walking through, God, that you give us a grace and love and a peace that we can't even understand, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, listen, if you go through the Bible, this is what the Bible is, if you don't know. A Bible is the Bible is a book full of promises. And the thing is, is that all we have to do is begin to speak into our lives and begin to prophesy and say, no, 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 God, don't forget, this is what you promised me. I don't need to earn it. I just need to speak it into existence. And every single one of us in this room, that's all we have to do. Now, here's the deal. We have to learn what those things are, right, so we can begin to speak it. There was this guy in the Bible, okay, and he's referred to lovingly as the donkey guy. His name is Balaam. The donkey. Anyone ever heard of the donkey guy? Perfect. I'm going to tell you exactly who the donkey guy is. The donkey guy is the guy who his donkey spoke to him. Now, have you guys heard of that guy? Okay, a little bit. Okay, so here's the deal. In the Bible, there's this guy, okay, and he's a prophet. And he gets hired out to speak and go curse a nation. Okay, so long story short, it's a great story. You can look it up for yourselves. But he goes, and, and on his journey there to go, again, he's going to go prophesy a curse over this nation. He gets hired out to do it. And he's riding his donkey on his way there, and the donkey just rears up and stops. 
And he gets mad at the donkey, okay? So he kind of slaps the donkey, and they, they start going again. Okay, now the donkey's going through this corridor, and he does the same thing. So much so he gets so scared that he actually takes the guy, donkey guy, and he throws him up against the wall, and he breaks his ankle. Now this guy's getting mad, and he starts beating his donkey, okay? Now listen, uh, again, I don't, I don't, don't beat your donkey, but he's over there, and he's just punching his, they said he took a rod and started hitting his donkey. He's so frustrated. The donkey, again, starts freaking out. Finally, the donkey turns around and starts talking to him. And the donkey says, he goes, why do you beat me? I've never done anything bad to you before. And it was at that moment that this guy realized, hold on, my donkey is seeing something I can't see. He's seeing God. God showed up and he showed himself to this donkey. And he used the donkey to communicate something to him. And what he told him was this. He said, you need to stop. You cannot prophesy these curses. And actually, I want you to go and I want you to prophesy blessings over this nation. And so I bring that story up to say this, is that it's easy to begin to prophesy curses, right? When you're going through pain, you might say, hold on, it was my fault. But now we're prophes- what happens is this. It's just as powerful. The reason why God stopped him was because he knew that he could prophesy a curse, Right? Sometimes we forget we can do that. And so when we're walking through a situation like this, that's what we got to decide. Hold on. What am I actually speaking over myself? And so listen, let me be the donkey today. <laughs> and let me tell you, listen, all you have to do in life is when you're going through something, you need to prophesy those specific things. We're going to go over what to prophesy if you don't know. But I want this today, if you're the type of person who ends up speaking these curses over yourself, even when you don't mean to, that's something we got to stop. And when you let people speak curses over you, you then need to counterpunch it with prophesying these blessings. I'm going to teach you how to do that hopefully today. Now, if you know my style at all, it is I like taking maybe stories from the Bible or, or just passages from the Bible and hopefully looking at it slightly different or really just bringing it back up because sometimes we get so intimidated by the word um, and, and, and we just forget sometimes the Bible basics and that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. The first prophecy, uh, prophecy we need to prophesy over ourselves is blessing. Now again, that seems Bible basic, it seems simple, but a lot of times we forget to do that. When I'm in the shower every day, I do, I do two things. One, I thank God for the blessings, but then I prophesy more blessings, right? I'll say, I thank you that, that financially I could pay my bills, but I prophesy that I'm going to have way more than enough. So I do both of that. And you got to prophesy your blessing. I want to talk about the story in the Bible, okay? I'm going to read it uh, right off the screen with you guys. I'm going to throw this up. This is Genesis 32. It says this, it says, then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So Jacob, he begins to wrestle this man, capital M, man. It says this in verse 25, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So imagine this, Jacob is wrestling this being. And what he doesn't fully realize yet is that he was wrestling with God. Now, some of your Bibles might say that Jacob wrestled an angel. But in the, in the original Hebrew, he wasn't wrestling an angel. He was wrestling God. See, there's many times throughout the world where God came down. And at this time, he came down as a man. And he begins to wrestle with Jacob. I mean, think about this. You know, uh, uh, he, he, let me say it like this. How many times have we, and I know I've done it, 
where, again, you've been in a, in a painful situation, in a deep spot, and you just begin to wrestle with God. God, this is, again, this is what you promised. This is what you did. Why is this happening to me? And you begin to, now, imagine that, but on the scale of he's actually wrestling with them. And God's participating. Now, listen, it is a struggle because God's like, uh, we're like neck and neck. So then he, he uh, uh, hurts Jacob's hip. He gotta, he's got to take the pain a little bit to the next level because, because Jacob is, uh, is beginning to understand that, hold on, the harder I fight, the more I'm beginning to prevail. And so he's wrestling and he's wrestling and he's wrestling. It says this. It says, and he said, this is God. And God said, let me go for day breaks. God is saying, hey, listen, what are you do? I don't want to fight you. Why are you fighting with me? Just let me go. And he said this. But he said, I will not let go unless you bless me. I'm not going to stop wrestling unless you give me what I'm asking for. You've already promised, so I'm going to wrestle you until you actually give it to me. And then he says, so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. In verse 28, he said, and he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Think about that. He's been watching Jacob his whole life struggle with men. And now he's saying, hold on. Now you've experienced what it is to struggle with me. And because of that, look what I'm going to do next. And he called him Israel, which means prince of God. Because why? He went to a whole nother level. You were Jacob. Now you fought me for a blessing. And here's what I'm going to do. Here's your first blessing. I'm calling you a prince. What does that mean? If I'm a king, then you have what I have. Because you're my prince. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed them there. Why is it that you ask about my name? See, God was trying to be in disguise when he was wrestling with Jacob. He said, I'm going to show you what it's like to fight. But you might not know it's me just yet. And Jacob started to get the hint. Hold on. This struggle seems on purpose. This wrestling seems like God's pushing me to another level. This fight, this pain in my hip, this seems like, hold on, this might be on purpose. What is your name? I've told you my name, and you said you're going to change my name. What is your name? And then God said, said, why do you ask my That's all he says. Why do you ask my name? You already know it. You've realized it the whole time. You might not have thought about it. You might not have put all the pieces together. But you've known this whole time. I wasn't just a normal man. That this wrestling was with God. And it was then, boom, that he blessed him. It was right there. So when you wrestle with God today, man, if you're going through something, man, just, again, get in a private room. Get in your car. Turn on music. And just begin to wrestle with God. And say, hold on, God. You already gave me blessings. All I need to do is prophesy in the pain that I can receive it. A couple quick blessings. There's so many. I mean, the word is full of blessings. But here's a couple quick ones. Again, Bible basics. But remember, a blessing that is automatic if you prophesy it is peace. So if you're going through something, if you prophesy peace, it is yours. You have it. That's it. It's already guaranteed to you. Love, joy. These things are guaranteed to you. Prosperity, protection, grace. These things are all 100% just guaranteed. All you have to do is begin to speak it. He's waiting on us. We're constantly waiting on him. He's saying, hold on, I did it. My son died for it. It's all sitting there. All you got to do is ask for it. As soon as you ask for him, prophesy, you have it. Deuteronomy 28, 2, 8 says this, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body 
and the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, and the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. That should be your, uh, your basket and, and your kneading bowl. So he's walking through everything that's already guaranteed, all the blessings that are guaranteed. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. And it just keeps going on and on about, about your enemies and how they're going to see you. And so, listen again, if you want peace, just prophesy it. God, I speak that I'll have peace. God, I believe that I'm going to walk in love. That I'm going to receive love. God, I believe that, that my financial situation isn't perfect yet, but I know, God, that you promised me prosperity, so I'm asking for it. And I prophesy that it's going to happen. You watch. Anytime I've ever done that in my life, I'm only 30 years old. Anytime I spoke it into existence, it happens. Now, now listen, again, those are the promises. So I can't say, uh, uh, God, I want to be six feet tall. Because God's like, bro, you're five, five and a half. So, so there's, there's not limitations, but there's some realizations. But when you just say, hey, listen, God, uh, I, I just want to be happy. That's it. I want joy. You promised me. And he, he rewards that. The next prophecy that you need to do is prophesy your restoration. Prophesy restoration of things in your life. John 11, 1 through 6 is one of the greatest stories ever told. Now, a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was, uh, it was that Martha who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil. So this, is, this, is, this would be, believe me, Mary Magdalene, right, who took the costly oil and washed Jesus' feet with her hair. This is that same one. And, and whose brother Lazarus was sick. So you got Mary and Martha and Lazarus, these brothers and sisters, and Lazarus is sick. Verse 3, it says this, therefore the sisters sent to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, uh, whom you love is sick. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they were a part of Jesus' traveling ministry. They walked with him. They were with him. And so they begin to send word that, uh, that, that, that Lazarus is sick. And he's telling Jesus, don't forget, you love this man. He's sick, and he really, really needs you. Verse 4 says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God, the Son of God may be glorified through it. So he's saying this to his disciples. He's saying, hey, listen, this is not just about death. This is about something way bigger than that. Everybody right now, they're seeing sickness and they're seeing death. But I see something way bigger than that. And actually, I'm going to get the glory completely out of it. And in verse 5, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, this is where it gets crazy in verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick... He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Verse 5 again. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them so much. So much so that he didn't leave right away. He actually stayed put for two more days. It's such a contradictory statement. But he knew. Hold on. I love them so much, but I need them to walk through this moment real quick. Because not only is it going to affect them, it's going to affect generations to come. And so he's preparing his disciples I mean, listen, the disciples looking at, they constantly are probably looking at Jesus like, listen, he's, he backs it up, but he sounds, he says crazy stuff, right? And he says this, he says this, it says in verse 12, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get rest. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of taking rest in his sleep. Because Jesus said, listen, he's just going to take, uh, he's just resting, he's sleeping. And so the disciples said, okay, but it's probably good that he sleeps. And he said, hold on, I'm not talking about just sleeping. In verse 14, he said, actually, he said, Lazarus is dead. And I love this. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, 
let us go to him. I love that because Jesus said, listen, if I was there, he wouldn't have died. But I actually needed him to walk through that. I actually needed Mary and Martha, and, and you're going to see this group of people. I needed them to experience this pain. I didn't, I didn't cause the pain, but I'm going to let them walk through a little bit. And then actually, if I was there, I'm, he's such a merciful God that he's saying, listen, if I was there, I actually couldn't let him do it. It was actually better for everybody's sake that I wasn't there. Verse 17 he says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, but about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women uh, around Martha and Mary to comfort their concern and them concerning their brothers. So think about this. This group of people, they are there to support Martha and Mary. They're there, but really what they're doing is, is to just mourn with them, Right? That happens so much to us, right? We're going through all this stuff. And it's like, it's great. These people are around us, but they're not making me better. And really, sidebar is that you need to find people around you who actually lift you up and make you better, right? Not keep you in that same sorrowful state. And that's what was happening. In verse 20, it says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's telling this right to Jesus' face. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. It says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So she's beginning to see it. She's beginning to prophesy. Now, she gets angry with Jesus. If you would have been here, you wouldn't have died. But I know that if you ask God something, he's going to give it to you. And then Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in resurrection at the last day. So, she's be again, she's prophesying, but she's not fully synced up with what God wants yet. She's telling Jesus, yeah, I know he'll be raised again because we're all going to be raised again um, someday. And, and so she's getting there, but she's not flowing with him yet. And I love this. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And this is the most important part. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So she begins to prophesy, wait, wait, I was looking at, listen, I was prophesying that things would be okay, not things would be the right way. I was prophesying that things would be just good enough, not the way you want it to be. I was praying that things were going to be just fine and not great. And she begins to realize, hold on, no, 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 I see what's happening here. I need to change. And yes, Lord, if, uh, uh, you, if you can raise them back to life, I believe you can do it because I believe you can do whatever. She begins to prophesy that over her life. Some things that we might need restoration in our life is this, restoration of dreams and goals that we've had, that we set aside because people said we weren't good enough to do it, or we didn't have enough money to do it, or the dream just died because we lost confidence in ourselves, but you know it was a God dream. Those are things that you got to prophesy restoration of, relationships, past relationships that you knew were God relationships, but they went sour. You can begin to prophesy restoration and new relationships, opportunities, finances, emotions, health, all of that can be restored in your life, but you have have to be like Martha, that even when you doubt it, you say, but hold on, I know that he can do it because he's proved it, and he can do it. The next thing is this, you got to prophesy your freedom. Prophesy. So many times, man, we are completely locked up by people's words. We're locked up by our own thoughts. We're locked up by situations that we've 
put ourselves in that we were not supposed to be in. And the Bible is full of ways that we should be free. You got the story of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are there and they're ministering to people, okay? This is right in Acts. Read Acts. If you want to know what it is to be a Christian, read the book of Acts, okay? Because it's full of Acts of Christians, right? And so Paul and Silas are out there. They're ministering. They're healing people. They're setting people free, right there in the courtyard where they're not supposed to be. Long story short, they get arrested. They get put in prison. Not only do they get put in prison, they get put in an underground prison that is impossible to escape from. And they're down there, and everybody's wallowing in sorrow because they're going to be sent, set to death. And they're sitting there. They don't know what the future holds. And they're locked up in this cage with nowhere to go, no future in sight. And what do they do? The Bible says at about midnight, they began to praise and worship God. At about midnight, I love that. That's at the deepest, darkest part of the night when things were about as deep and as dark as they could possibly be. That's when they began to say, hold on, there is a future because I'm going to prophesy my freedom from here. They began to pray and to praise and to worship. And the Bible said, as soon as they started doing that, doing that, an earthquake hit the jail Locks were broken off. Chains were taken off. They had shackles on their feet. The ground was shaking so much that the shackles broke off. They were set free. Not only that, prisoner guards came down to arrest them, saw what God was doing, and began to fall to their knees and to worship God because they saw that, hold on, when, 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 when you pray hard enough, when you praise hard enough, when you worship to another level, God says, hold on, I'm going to completely set you free. Praise and worship is a way to prophesy. When you have nothing else to say, you praise and worship. When you don't know what prophecy to proclaim, that's what you do. Because praise is a problem for your problems. The moment you got too many problems, if you praise, it becomes a problem for your problems that you didn't even know you had. Listen, we can get, we need freedom from a lot of things. Burdens, depression, people's opinions. Self-doubt, discouragement, failure, past decisions, all of those things can keep you locked up in a jail cell. And all we got to do is say, God, no, 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 you've already promised me freedom. Again, your word is, these are simple things. Why? Because they've already been done. There's a list of them, right? It's like going on Netflix and you don't know what to watch, okay? You can scroll through, you got all these options. And the moment you find the one you want, you can hit play and watch it, Okay? That's exactly what the Bible is. Here's an option of everything. Now scroll through it. What do you need today? Okay, all you got to do is just ask me for it. Hit play on that. That's what the Bible is. Hold on. You said I could be set free? It's as simple as that? Okay, well, God, I am set free. And you're prophesying that. And it might take time. God might want you to wrestle with him a little bit and to say, hey, listen, I want you to spend the next six weeks every single day just believing for freedom. And you watch God begin to expose that. And it said the free Galatians 5.1 says this. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty of which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Because that's what it is. A yoke of, you know, you know what a yoke is for oxen, okay? It's to lock two oxen together. That means that you're not free. You get, the, the oxen may feel like they're free, but if one wants to go left, one wants to go right, it's not going to happen. And that's what the enemy does. He locks you in with him, and you can't go in the direction. And what the freedom does is says, listen, I'm going to strip all that away. The next thing that you got to do is prophesy your faith. Prophesy. Again, faith is a free gift. But I see so many Christians that do not know how to walk in that faith. 
Again, it's something that, 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 that if you want to know that God's got your back, you have to have faith that he's going to do it. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves and to prophesy that faith. You know, there's a story of, of, of this, this, this father, and he goes to Jesus. So Jesus is he's drawing big crowds at this point of his ministry, right? He's not trying to, but he gets there, and thousands are showing up to be healed, okay? And so he gets there, and his disciples had gotten there a little earlier. And so when Jesus gets there, he sees that the scribes, the priests, the lawmakers are there, and they're debating with the disciples. Now, Jesus is used to this, okay? That's like today. Like, we might have a negative comment on YouTube. That's what the scribes were doing, okay? That church seems too loud. <laughs> Why do they bring the lights down? That's what the scribes are doing. They were just trying to get under their skin. Why this? Why that? Tell us about Jesus. How can he do this? How can he be the son of God? He should be in prison. He should die. So anyways, the scribes are there, and, and, and they're trying to debate with the disciples. Jesus shows up, and he just goes, okay, what is it today? Before anyone says anything... A man jumps out of the crowd and basically is like, forget them. I could care less. Here's what I need from you. I love that. I love that. Forget all of that. I don't need nobody else. I'm going straight to you. He said, listen, my son is sick. And what he describes is that his son is uh, uh, um, hard of hearing. He can't speak and he has seizures. Okay, we know that now. So he goes to Jesus and said, listen, I went to your disciples and they told me they couldn't do nothing about it. So I'm going right to the source. So he begins to tell Jesus about what's happening. Jesus says, bring them before me. And Jesus sees how bad it is. And he, he realizes that there's a spirit in this boy. And we need, to, we need to get the spirit out. The dad even says this. He goes, listen, the, the spirit in my son makes, he throws my son into the fire. He throws my, so this guy was badly burnt. He'd been like this his whole life. God begins to uh, 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 ask the father, long story short, he asks the father, hey, listen, do you have faith? Now, for a second, the, the, I'm sure the father's like, hold on, no, 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 I came to you. And Jesus said, listen, I can't do anything yet. Do you have faith? Do you believe? And this is what the father says. It's amazing. He tells Jesus, I believe, and can you help me with my unbelief? Because he didn't believe. But in that moment, he started to prophesy that he believed. Such a contradictory scripture. I love when the Bible does that to itself. The man said, he goes, I believe. Can you help me with my own belief? And that's what God, all he needs. But Jesus is waiting to say, listen, on the inside, I, I don't understand how. I'm looking at my bills. This doesn't make sense. How can I pay this off? But God, I trust. I have faith. I believe. In Jesus. That's all I needed. He heals uh, uh, the boy. The spirit leaves that boy. And the boy uh, uh, spent the rest of his life without dealing with that ever again. But it took just faith. He could have prayed as hard as he wanted. But he needed to have faith. Even if, honestly, at the end of the day, he didn't even understand why he believed. He did, this doesn't make any sense. He needs to do it. Now, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 is a famous scripture. Now, faith is the substance, which means the realization of things hoped for. It's the realization of things hoped for. So listen, you can hope all day, but unless you believe it's going to happen, God can't do anything about it. But the moment you believe, that is the substance of the things that you hoped for. That's what faith is. And so there's so many people in this room, and you're believing for so much, right? And it's time to just prophesy it. 
There's certain times where God said, listen, I'm kind of tired of you asking me. I just want you to speak it. Because here's how we were designed. I'll tell you this. Go read Genesis. And I love this because he says this. He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So that means this. That means that we are not God, but we are about as close to God as any being will ever be. And what he said is this. He said, listen, I'm a creator. And I'm going to make you in my image so you're a creator. You want something in life? Create it. You want, you want hope? You're a creator. So cre- I already created it, and I created you to be a creator. I want you to, why is, this, why is that important? Because this, we have to realize that if we're made in his image and we're made in his likeness, then we have every power on earth that he has in heaven. It's already there. We're not exact copies, but we're about as close as you can possibly get. And he's saying, hey, listen, all you have to do is create what you need from me. This is the last scripture I want to read, and we're going to wrap up right here. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand uh, in the evil day and have done all to stand. Just stand, 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 stand. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you want to stand through pain? You want to get through pain? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to put on the armor of God. I need you to prophesy. And here's the deal is that when you prophesy, I didn't plan to say any of this, but when you prophesy, what's going to happen is that's when attacks come. You think you're going through pain right now? Wait till you start prophesying and the devil going, hold on, wait, hold on one second. They're now speaking it. They've realized the power. They realize that they were creators. Hold on. I need to throw everything I have against them. And God said, listen, I knew that was going to happen, obviously, because God was attacked. And if we were copies of him, we would be attacked. And he said this, put on the armor of God, and this is the armor of God. Ready? Now, we should know this from, from Bible school. Right, from uh, being in, in kids' church, being in faith kids. But this is what it says. Put on the waist of truth, the belt of truth. Why? Because in truth, which is the word, in truth, we realize who we are. So we put that belt of truth on. We walk in truth. The next one is this, the breastplate of righteousness. To be righteous is to be as far from sin as possible. So today, make it right with God. Right? And just walk righteous with him. You know, if you're new to church or you're new to God, he'll let you know what you need to change in your life. You know, if you, you'll feel it. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you know. You do something, ah, that's, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. And that's how you put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the uh, uh, gospel of peace, right, on your feet. Because, again, it's really hard to, to, to withstand the enemy if you can't walk in it with peace. And again, when you start prophesying, you're going to get attacked. You need to be at peace. He goes on to say this, above all, taking the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All this message today all hinges on this. You can't prophesy what you don't know you have. And really what your next step is, whether you've been a Christian forever 
or you're a baby Christian as we say it, is find what has been promised to you in the word and then prophesy that it's yours. It's that simple. It's that simple.